Hello. And welcome to Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody and Kathy. All right, welcome back to the show. How's the week been? Freezing cold? It's really cold. And everyone I talk to is really sick. Yeah, including <laughs> so, me. Including you. So. Yep. I know. Did you feast out on Thanksgiving? Well, you know I did. And my mom had to bring another pie over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and to satisfy my... And I did some Black Friday shopping. So, yeah. you know, hopefully that helps with our retail numbers. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing your part. I'm doing my part. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, apparently I'm supporting you on that side as well. You don't have a choice. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Well, anyway, so, hey, we wanted to introduce a, a good, actually, he's a good friend of ours. We, we really have uh, grown close to these guys, but we, so we, we own two companies. We own an investment firm. We own a, a financial planning firm. A financial planning firm is Proactive Wealth Concepts, and the investment firm is Proactive Wealth Management. And so, as an independent registered investment advisory firm, uh, obviously, managing assets and growing our clients' wealth is our, our, one of our primary passions, responsibilities, loves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so in doing so, you know, our clients really rely on us for, for good research, for good information. So I, I want to introduce, so we have a friend with us today. Kathy, I'll let you introduce him. Yeah. So his name is Fritz Foltz. Um, he's a managing partner and chief investment strategist with Three Edge Asset Management. He's one of our money managers that we use, that we, you know, we love. Fritz was one of the co-founders of Three Edge Asset Management. Prior to founding Three Edge, Fritz served as the chief investment strategist at Winhaven Investment Management. Fritz joined Winward Investment Management in 2002 as a fourth employee. Winward was acquired by Sh- Charles Schwab in 2010, and the name of the firm was changed to Winhaven Investment Management. After the acquisition, Mr. Foltz became responsible for the distribution of Winhaven Investment Solutions throughout the entire Charles Schwab nationwide retail branch network. He and his team raised over $15 billion in new asset under management. Prior to joining Winward Winhaven, Mr. Foltz was co-founder and served as president of um, Sakatak Security a registered broker-dealer firm which provide investment banking and capital raising services to hedge funds and private equity firms. Mr. Foltz began his career at the Boston Company where he ultimately served as a vice president and director of global funding for the newly formed Boston Safe Deposit and Trust Company. Mr. Foltz received his BA with a major in political science from Connecticut College and his MBA from IESE Instituto Estudios Superiores de la Empresa. He's a former chair of the Board of Trustee of Connecticut College and is now Emeritus Trustee. Fritz currently serves as the Investment Committee of the Connecticut College Endowment Fund and on the Endowment Investment Committee for the Umbrella Center for the Arts in Concord, Massachusetts. Fritz and his wife, Kathy, lives in Concord, Massachusetts. So, welcome <laughs> to the show, Fritz. How Thank are you? you. I'm terrific. I heard you say at the beginning that's cold there. You should feel good that it's also freezing cold here. Yeah, we got, uh, in a, we got a couple inches of snow this morning. Uh, we haven't gotten to that stage of winter yet, but uh, it's on the way, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I'm great. And thank you very much for just, you know, inviting me to join you here today. I really appreciate it. And one of the things that I think you said in the introduction is this idea of how important it is to provide clients with useful investment information so they feel comfortable that they have at least an understanding of what's going on in the market because it can be so overwhelming. So I think it's such a great idea that you do this podcast because being informed can help people remain calm, you know, when you go through those periods that are, that can be difficult for the market. Yeah. And then now with this year and, you know, we only have one more month left in this year, we're kind of, you know, we're just trying to figure out where we're going. Are we in a recession yet? Or, you know, or is there a global recession? Like what's going on? Yeah. And, and, you know, so first of all, it's a, it's a great question. It's interesting because we just went through uh, almost a two hour investment committee here at Three Edge this morning. And as you guys know, we've been very defensive and very cautious this year. We've been at or near our minimum in terms of our allocation to equities. And that's, you know, that's helped us a lot, help preserve client capital. We've also been near our minimum. Well, we've been at our minimums in traditional uh, fixed income, which would be intermediate treasury fixed income. And we've favored uh, very short term government securities, floating rate government securities. Um, and so we have been defensive throughout this year. That has been the correct allocation. But as we all know, this is a what have you done for me lately business. And so the question is, you know, if we turn the, the calendar into 2023, where are we headed? And I would say that the one thing that, you know, was always at the top of any conversation about investing this year seemed to be the Fed and the Federal Reserve. And what were they going to do? You know, I, the prior year, I remember you probably do too, Chair Powell saying at one point that, oh, we feel inflation is transitory and we're not even thinking about thinking about raising interest rates. And I think he probably regrets that he ever said that. Uh, we were very concerned that inflation was not going to be transitory as it took hold. And so basically... You know, the Fed was stuck. They had to start raising interest rates because inflation came on very quickly. It, you know, it went very high, higher than we've seen in four decades. So they were in a bind. And so they had to raise interest rates very aggressively. And so that, you know, I think that if you look back in 2022 and why did the equity market struggle? And also, why didn't the bond market help investors more? You know, right? Traditionally, if your equities don't do so well, well, you can count on your bonds to help you. But the onset of inflation and rising interest rates, that hurt your bond holdings too. So it really was kind of a double whammy. And, you know, it was brought on by inflation and by the Fed's reaction to inflation. And that really hurt in investors this year. So fine, we're, you know, but where do we go from here? And if we look at our outlook, and we use a model uh, that we've developed over the last 40 years to do our analysis of the markets, and the, in the U.S. equity market in particular, our model has indicated for all of this year 
and going into this year even, that the U.S. equity markets were really, and particularly the S&P 500, was very overvalued, right? I mean, it just ran up so high and, you know, probably higher than it deserved to go. And one of the reasons was when the pandemic hit, the Fed lowered interest rates to basically zero. So money was free. They had the right intention, right? The economy was in danger. So they uh, printed a lot of money and injected liquidity into the financial system. But oftentimes what happens, and it happens in this case, is that, that money doesn't necessarily get into the real economy, but it goes into asset prices like stocks and real estate. I'm sure you guys had a very strong real estate market over the past few years with all that money. And so now, so two things. First, that meant that U.S. equity markets went way up, higher than really you would expect uh, right through 2021. And now in 2022, the Fed has tightened policy, extracting liquidity from the financial system, and that has put a strain on the equities and the bond market. So where do we go from here as we enter into 2023? I think what I would say is it's too early to get back into equities yet, that when the Fed does something, it acts with a lag, right? It doesn't have an immediate impact. So they raised rates four times in a row by 75 basis points, which is a lot, a lot of tightening and it does have an impact because interest rates went up. But the impact of doing that will be felt well into 2023. So that's the tricky, you know, that's the tricky part here. And and if okay, money now is more expensive because they've raised interest rates, well, will that have an impact on the earnings capacity of corporations and you know, consumer spending, it's not as easy to buy a car now if you're going to take a loan at a higher interest rate. So it's just to us, just too unclear in terms of the direction of the economy right now to get back reinvested in the equity markets. The last thing I would say, we would imagine that when it's time to get back into equity markets, our exposure would probably be in ex-US equities because they are less overvalued than the US market. So we're still cautious, we're still defensive, we still have a very low allocation to US and equities at this point, and, and we don't feel that it's time yet to commit more fully to the equity markets. And we're talking specifically uh, the US equity markets, correct? That's correct, yeah. right. So yeah, US equity is very overvalued, but it is also true that we invest you know, in the U.S., we invest in Europe, Asia, Far East, and even the emerging markets. So we are always looking far and wide for opportunities in the equity markets. But right now, being at our minimum, our minimum means that we hold uh, the U.S. equities when we're at our minimum. Yeah. So, Fritz, do you want to tell us a little bit about how Three Edge, like the Three Edge story, how you invest in? Sure. Well, let, before before we do that, let, yeah. you know, I, and I think this is this is important because our our core philosophy, Fritz, is really uh, identifying quality assets, making sure we understand those assets, and then we we can we can then hone down them and buy really good assets, meaning companies or you know whatever those assets entail. But you know, right now we're talking about stocks, so 
it, it, you guys do this very different. And so you know, a lot of our clients, you know, we, we kind of beat that horse. It's like, yes, you know, diversification, all this stuff is important, but, but really at, at the end of the day, what do you really own? And can it weather, you know, what kind of storm can that, can that company or that investment weather? And so that, that's been the core of our philosophy is making sure that we're buying those, the good, you know, good assets at the right, you know, timing. You're not going to get timing right on assets. This is really more quality assets. Now, mm-hmm. with that said, the reason we brought you guys on board really is what well, you guys do it different. And so we, we've kind of tailored in, you know, we have the, um, the quality asset play, so to speak. And then you guys are more of a, you know, more of a, more, well, more of an allocation play, right? Yeah, we're using, yeah, we're yeah. using ETFs. We're using, you know, we're, we're using mainly ETFs, but we're trying to yeah, get representation yeah. from, from all, like you said, all the, uh, all the places, you know, if we're running a race, right. And, and the two or three horses are in the lead, we want to, we want to put our, our money, like you guys enable us to see what's happening in the race, so to speak, who, who's winning the race. And then essentially we're taking our money and, and kind of putting our bets on, on the, the, the leading horse, so to speak, even yeah. while the race is going on. In other words, instead of just buying those companies and hoping for the best, you guys are, were, were essentially moving money around on a daily, weekly basis, uh, trying to find the winners and, and writing those and writing those out. And the way mm-hmm. we do that is through asset, you're, you're buying different asset classes that are reacting right. differently in the market. And that's why I really like you guys because you understand the, you have to understand the economic ram, ramifications of what's going on in that asset class, not just that company, but the, you know, right. that asset class. And, and so I really like how you guys decipher all the, all the, the, the noise, so to speak, all the, all the news and, and really dive down to, okay, what, what asset classes do we own? So, so right now, what asset classes you, you kind of hit it briefly. We, we have, we've really gone down on our exposure in U S stocks. Where are we at with international equities right now? I mean, and, and before you answer that, I, so that's why I love what you guys have put together. I love your, your insights because you you do have to really understand what is going on in the economy. And so, and I appreciate that. And on top of that, and I'll let you get into the, the story around Three mm-hmm. Edge. I love, you know, if you look at the downside risk and everyone's, you know, galloping around, you know, trying to find safety right now. Everyone's, you know, you, you talked about bonds getting hit. Stocks have gotten hit. You know, uh, everything, you know, uh, literally my clients were saying, well, should I just buy coins and put them in my, in, and put them in my closet? You right. know, so, right. so right. we are doing that, but we're doing it on paper, right? So you guys are, I mean, we can, we can really in, invest with, with a much lower uh, downside you know, risk. So the most pull down I've ever seen you guys have on your total return strategy is somewhere in the neighborhood of around what, five and a half to 6% down downside risk on that portfolio. Right. right I mean, that's, right, a, that's yeah. really un- unbelievable, right? If you're, yeah. and, and my, once you lose money, it's a lot harder to get it back. And, oh, yeah. and so risk management is, is key. And so as you're going into retirement or in retirement, it's really, it really becomes critical, I think, to, to add in what you guys are really doing over there, which is trying to protect wealth. So I just wanted to, to 
just say that's why we have you on board because we, yeah. we, we appreciate the education. I know our clients do and the flexibility and opportunity to invest anywhere in the world based on what's happening in the economy. It's, it's really good. We appreciate your insight. We also appreciate what you guys do. Thank you. Um, you know, for us, risk management is really key. And the way I think you described it is actually very good that a big part of your business is to look for, I'm uh, assuming a little bit here, but to look for stocks in really good companies that are well-priced. And if you do that consistently over time, you'll do well. And, you know, that is the way to invest. It is. And then by, and then by adding a little bit of what we do to that, what it's a very good complement to what you're doing. And in some respects, one of the ways that it helps has really come to the fore this year where we have, you know, managed risk very well and, and decline much less than the traditional markets. And so what that does for any client is it helps to smooth the volatility, you know, uh, of their overall investable um, assets. And we know, I mean, that's important, you know, it's, it's not easy to remain invested to difficult markets. So if you have at least a little bit in a three edge kind of strategy, and you can look to that and get some peace of mind from the fact that that is holding its value for you, then you have, you know, a better chance of doing what everyone we all need to do, which is to remain invested uh, through both up and down markets in order to achieve you know, our, our investment goals, which really are our financial goals, which really, you know, at the end of the day, that's our life goals. So, you know, I know you folks, the two of you, and, and we do as well, you know, we take this very seriously. This is other people's, you know, hard earned money. And so really what we focus on more than anything is risk management. We don't want to have a lot of volatility. Uh, we don't want to have what we call a large maximum drawdowns, which is what you were referring to there, which is sort of the worst experience that you can have as an investor. Because, well, for a couple of reasons. One, it's hard to stomach that a as an investor. And two, I think you also mentioned this, you have to dig yourself out of that hole, right? So if you're down 50%, you don't have to be up 50% to get back to where you started. You have to be back up 100%. And so we would say, let's not dig ourselves that hole. Let's preserve the capital. And so when the market turns around and goes back up, well, we'll just go on our merry way and we won't have to make up all of that loss. But I think one the thing that to me came out in what you just said is that Three Edge is an excellent complementary strategy, right? You guys have particular expertise where you're looking for good companies, quality assets, at good prices. That's a great thing to do on behalf of your clients. And then by adding some three ads, you're adding something that's very different. You know, we own gold, we own commodities, we'll own, you know, just asset classes that are very different. And that makes, makes it such that your clients now are more diversified than they would have been. And that helps as well with the risk management. So I think you look at us exactly the right way. We're a complementary strategy to the core expertise that you guys apply on behalf of your clients. Yeah. I appreciate Kathy's introduction and you're, you're, you got a great bio and, but no, I just old. That's so Cody. I'm just old. You're old. So <laughs> it's ga gathering. You're, you're not old. You're heavily experienced. <laughs> yeah. We, we like experience better, but you know, the, the fact that you guys already grew this fund into a massive uh, multi-billion dollar fund. And then, and then it sent, it, you guys sold that to Schwab or, or Schwab purchased that. 
yeah that, that's right that that, uh, that book of business or however you want to call that but so now yeah. you, now you guys are kind of out doing it again and building it again and and so anyway that you you guys have been around the block you know you, you know so with that said like what's one or two as i look into 2023 i'm looking at i i think if i were to hone it down and i'm going to ask you you know, if there's one thing I could kind of keep my eyes on, in my opinion, it's corporate earnings. Yeah. Is that what we're looking at for this next year? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's going to be a big part of this thing because, you know, corporate earnings were fabulous, you know, in, all throughout 2021 and also, you know, through this year, even though people thought, well, you know, they've raised rates, so maybe corporate earnings are going to have an issue. But because, again, of this lagged effect of raising rates, we didn't expect that to necessarily impact corporate earnings this year. Next year is a different story. Next year, your discount rate, right, of your discounting your future cash flows is going to be much higher because interest rates are higher. The cost of capital is higher if you're a company. Now you're having inflation. Can you pass the increase in prices onto your clients or not? You know, will the customer... Now that everything costs more, will all of us as consumers stop buying certain things? You know, so we feel that, yeah, corporate earnings next year is very much a wild card. And if we had to vote one way or the other, we're concerned about that. You know, we don't think that corporate earnings are going to be able to sustain uh, the kind of growth that they saw in 2021 and 2022. We just feel that that's going to be very difficult to do. And then if that's the case, that would imply that these stock prices could come down more than they already have. I, I agree. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, and everyone's, you know, the, the word on the street is, okay, is it time to invest? Is it time to start buying again? You know what? And, and I'm kind of with you. I think what we're seeing is a little bit of uh, a bear market rally, so to speak. And I think we're yeah. going to have several of those before we, we start to make our way out. So I think trying to time the market or, you know, buy a dip or, you know, that's just, you know, there, there's some clients we have that are younger and we are, you know, we're positioning them for, for growth in the future. But if you're close to retirement or in retirement and, and, and just, you can't afford those, those losses, you know, so that, so yeah. that's, uh, I, we appreciate your, your impact or your uh, feedback on that. How big do you think the bear is going to be? Yeah, like when do you guys see us kind of coming out of this? Meaning, and and I the, I guess it's it's all dependent on, on data on, and on data. I mean that we're we're just. Do you guys any any predictions on how long this recession might go? No, it's really a tough one. It's really a tough one. This is why um, you get paid the big big bucks. Well, um, <laughs> well, I think it's also why you don't want to take too big a risk, right? I mean, yeah. you could be right. You could be wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So we just feel like you just mentioned bear market rallies. And, and I think the way that we would look at it, we're going to assume that any rally at this point is a bear market rally until it proves us wrong. Yeah, there you go. So one of the things that people look at is this 200-day moving average, right? And we've seen already this year three or four times where the market starts to rebound. It gets right up near that 200-day moving average, but it doesn't break through. And then it goes back down and it ends up lower than it was the last time it did that. And I mean, that's only one technical indicator. But, you know, our assumption going forward from here is there's so much uncertainty. There are a great many risks out there. It's unclear what kind of effect 
the increases in short-term interest rates that we've already seen, how much effect and impact will that have on the economy and corporate earnings and all these other things? So rather than you know, taking a flyer, if you will, and saying, well, this could be the real thing, you know, this rally, we're going to wait and and until uh, the market itself proves to us that it's more than just a bear market rally, which means, and I think this is the way, or I know this is the way we invest, we're not necessarily early, you know, so we don't necessarily catch the bottom as the market goes up through because we want to have some more confirmation than that before we're willing to uh, commit capital, but we're okay with that. You know, we'll give yeah, up that first, for sure. um, that, that, that first push through, uh, when we get confirmation, you know, but at the same time, you don't want to always, you have to, you have to hold more than one scenario in your head at the same time, which is actually why we use a model because it's not so easy to do for us as humans, but you know, there's a situ, there's a scenario where, you know, the economy, yeah, there's some weakness in the economy, but it doesn't have to go into recession. For sure. And the Fed the Fed pauses and maybe in China, which we, you know, it's a, it's a long way away from where we are, but if they were to lift the lockdowns that they have around COVID in China, that could free up their economy and they're very important to the global economy. And so there are certain positive things that could happen in 2023, which could mean that we don't have a real recession. Corporate earnings may weaken, but not that much. And, you know, the, the markets, you know, they, they, they could do okay. They could do well. That's not our highest probability scenario, but it, you know, in our business, you know, it's easy to not look really smart at different periods of time in this business. So you have to be careful. You have to protect yourself from yourself. But there are scenarios where we could we could slide through this thing or in Jay Powell's uh, expression, have a soft ish uh, <laughs> landing instead of a hard landing. And yes, you know, could do fine. Interest rates could come down and 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 that would be pretty positive. Again, that's not our. That's not what we're expecting necessarily, but greater than 0% probability that that could happen. Yeah, we're with you. We, we agree uh, 100%. And, and that's coming back to why we do what we do. You know, ultimately, we're all here to, to increase the probability of success for our clients, right? And there's, exactly. We, we can feel certain ways. We can, it doesn't, the markets don't care how we feel. It's, it's based on, uh, data, right? And it's, yeah, and, it's, and, and it's based on um, looking emotions. At, well, and I, I, the one thing you said is I, that I really like uh, coming back to Kat's comment on emotions is ultimately what's going to create the most success for people is if they stay invested. And if you're freaking out because your small cap portfolio is down 30% over the last 12 months, <laughs> you know, that you got to stay invested. And, it, and even if you're in that scenario, it's still if you own good companies, those companies have been affected by the general markets. It doesn't mean to sell those. So it's just, I really, you know, keeping people invested is, is going to create the most success for, for those folks and, and being able to handle, you know, investor behavior is, is, is everything. And I, I love how you guys uh, can, can bring that to the table so that, so people can stay invested and, and, and handle those, those swings. We, we have some clients, you know, that are in small cap, mid cap, large cap, you know, very, they're diversified, but they're, they have some very specific um, targets that we've put into place based on their age and goals. And, 
you know, yeah. no, we haven't received any calls from those clients. They, 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 they right. get it, right? It's just yeah. stay invested. So, and uh, staying invested isn't always the answer, but it's, it's usually the answer. So with, with that said, uh, we really uh, appreciate you guys. I, again, I, I like, I like your, your focus on education because I think that's just, people want to know what's going on. And, you know, I had a client the other day, just, uh, she's a great friend. And she said, Cody, like, Everyone says inflation, inflation, inflation. Like, why is this such a big deal? <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, her and her husband have ran a company their whole life. They've been successful, but they're not investors and they're, they're not, you know, they, they, they're new to this game. And so. But they're also consumers. So you see inflation does not just affect the stock market prices for investor. It also, you know, has something to do with a lot to do with consumer as well. Like yeah. a dozen of eggs. Before this inflation was what a dollar ninety nine, and now it's four dollars a right. dozen. So yeah, that yeah. you know, it does inflation. It's not just for it in investing. Oh it's no, also, no, yeah, and and so that was kind of what I was getting at yeah. is like she just said, well, why are they, why is the Fed increasing interest rates so drastically to try and slow down this economy isn't this good isn't all this energy and this right, investment right. good you know but may, maybe just and we'll kind of end with this but maybe if you could just clearly delineate for us why inflation is so uh critical that we get this under control sure. and is is inflation more dangerous than a recession and and right so so that's kind of i think what people are wanting to know is, yeah. is it, you know and and certainly there's a depression, there's a recession, right? And then, so right. There, there's different levels there, but, but may, maybe you can just hit that and then we'll kind of end, end on that note. Yeah, yeah, of course. So that's a great topic and you're right that, and Kathy, you hit it, you know, it, it, it's, it hits your pocketbook. So a couple of things. One is we haven't had inflation for so long. You know, there are a lot of investors out there who have never experienced it or a lot of consumers <laughs> who have never you know, they didn't live through or they were very young in the 70s. And so they didn't experience it. And and so that is one of the so sometimes that just itself makes it difficult to wrap your mind around. Why are people so concerned about it? Because some people really haven't experienced it. it's not their fault. They just haven't you know lived through it. and They don't have that perspective. But the, the problem with inflation is when it gets embedded. And this is, Kathy, I think getting to what you said about emotion. When inflation gets embedded in psychology and then people just assume that prices are going to keep going up and they change their behavior. So they buy it now because they don't want to wait because it's going to cost more in the future. And then by everybody doing that, it pushes inflation up and it can spiral out of control. And it's really hard to get control over. And that's what happened in the 70s. And then it took Fed Chair Paul Volcker to step in and raise interest. You know, people think interest rates are high now between, you know, four, five, six percent. He raised interest rates almost to 20 percent in order to finally get ahead and break the back of inflation. And it did cause, a you know, a serious economic slowdown and a recession. So there was a lot of pain there. But in some respects, it had to be done because inflation is just pernicious and, you know, not to get carried away with history, but this is what happened in Germany, right? In the thirties where well, you let's had get carried away in history because that's what, that's what it's all about. Right. That's all we have so, to go on. 
Yeah. So you had the Weimar Republic. They had inflation where people are having wheelbarrows full of money because prices were going up every hour. You know, at the bakery, you'd be paying with a wheelbarrow money because inflation was just completely out of hand. And we're not anywhere even close to that. But it, I think what it shows is that the idea that inflation is problematic is when it gets embedded in the psychology of consumers and embedded. And, and so you have to really break the back of that. And then, as you just said, are you willing to push the economy into a recession in order to stop inflation? And I think there are a lot, many, many economists who say, yeah, you know what? That's actually a, a better alternative than having runaway rampant inflation. And you know what? Inflation is harder for the wide swath of the population that maybe doesn't make a huge amount of money, you know, and it's really impactful. So it's a, it's, that's the issue I see is when, when you, when you have a certain wage and, and you're, you're kind of locked into that wage and prices are increasing, it's, it's wage versus cost, right? It's, I mean, if you're wealthy, you don't, you're not, you may not feel that as much, but. Right. And you're, you know, people have to decide, am I going to turn the heat on or am I going to buy food? That's a horrible place for people to be. So, you know, by the central banks trying to tame inflation, that's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. And then they're in that very tricky balancing act of how much do we have to raise rates? How much do we have to slow the economy? Because you know that, well, if you slow the economy, you're going to have the unemployment rate is going to go higher, you know, and Jay Powell doesn't want people to not have jobs, but he knows that the only way to tame inflation is to slow the economy. Yes, unemployment could go up. Hopefully it won't have to go up that much and and they'll get ahead of this thing. So that's the struggle that the Fed is fighting. Some of it, I would say they brought this on themselves by not normalizing monetary policy sooner coming out of the pandemic, but so be it, that's where we are. So the Fed has a very difficult job trying to tighten monetary policy, trying to raise interest rates enough that the economy slows, maybe the labor market softens up a little bit, and then inflation begins to come down, and then they can normalize policy. So that's what we're in store for in 2023. It's a hard thing to do, but, you know, they're, he will, you know, he, they're smart people. You know, I think people often criticize members of the Fed. It's not an easy thing to do. And one of the reasons is, you know, is the lagged effect. I'll give you my one analogy. If you think about Fed policy and raising interest rates, you know, when you go for a trip, you know, and you stay in a hotel and you get in the shower and you turn the shower on and the water is really cold, you know, and, and you turn the hot up a little bit more and you're standing there like this is still too cold. So you turn the heat up even more, but it's still cold. Finally, you crank it all the way up and the water becomes scalding hot. And that's sort of what Fed policy is like. You know, you implement Fed policy and then there's a period of time we have to wait to see what the effect of that is. So 2023, I think you're right about corporate earnings because that's a function of if the economy slows to combat inflation, what impact will that have uh, on earnings? I think it's just going to be, it's probably not a year where you're going to want to take a huge amount of risk, but, and and you're just going to have to keep your eye on the Fed inflation, unemployment, and interest rates. And, you know, hopefully in 2023, the economy slows just a little and corporate earnings are slow just a little. Unemployment maybe goes up just a little. And that's enough 
to break the back of inflation. That's what we're hoping for. The worst scenario is that the Fed slows the economy, the economy goes into recession, but inflation doesn't come down. And that's known as stagflation. And that's a very bad place to be. And we were there in the 1970s. Um, and so that's what you don't want. You want to have it if you are going to have to slow the economy you at least want the inflation to come down and then there are wild cards i mean energy with the russian invasion of ukraine uh the food supply well, again that's, because that's, of, that's a big one right all this could go well yeah. <laughs> we and then boom I, you know someone throws a nuke or something just something someone does yeah something really stupid yeah yeah so that you know i hope I hope that wasn't too confusing an explanation of inflation, why it's important to get a handle on it. And, you know, the, the Fed is trying to do that. They are addressing it. And hopefully we'll start to see that come down. And people can, you know, you can look um, every month at, well, what, what is the CPI now? Is that inflation rate coming down? Or there's another indicator that the Fed relies on, which is the rate of inflation, but extracting food and energy from it. Um, that's called core inflation. So they look at that and you can see that uh, in the press. And, and and that's what they're going to be paying uh, attention to in, in 2023. I th they've done a lot in 2022. They've raised rates a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if they start to slow down the pace. Maybe they'll do 50 basis point increase in rates in December. At the next meeting in 2023, maybe they'll do 25. And maybe they'll pause for a while to see if uh, what they've already done will have enough of an effect to bring inflation down. Yeah, I agree on that point that they need to kind of take a step back and just kind of slow down the the increase in interest rates because I think that's affecting all of us. But Yeah, one other thing about that, you know, in some respects, what's ideal for the Fed is to talk as though they're going to be very hawkish and hope that that's enough that people will believe that they will be able to bring inflation down because then they don't have to. But you know, that, that that's not an easy thing to do, and they lost some credibility by not starting to raise interest rates sooner yeah. when yeah. inflation started to take hold. Yeah. Yep. So, what did we get from this 2023? Here's what I think the best advice for our listeners are: keep your seatbelt fastened, still, yeah, and breathe and of course, always talk to your advisor. Keep that yeah. line of communications open. Make sure, you, you know, if your situations change, you know, keep that line of communication, communicate that with your advisor so we know how to um, adjust or rebalance your portfolio. Yep. Right. Well, Fritz, uh, yeah, you, you nailed it. So I, th I think we, that gives us a good mm -hmm. idea of kind of what to look for uh, in the next year. We, we, we love the strategy. It's definitely proven right this year and and we're down uh, well the last quarter i think what a uh, total return i think i saw was it up uh, the last three months it's up a couple percentage points i think i think that's right yeah yeah, okay. yeah. net of fees or something but anyway so it's it's holding steady and yeah uh, yeah which is which is better than we can say about some some other um man at least we're not down 30 percent like the s well, right and yeah. and you know but that but that's what we you know that's what we tell people we're going to do. So it's good that it's good that we did that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and when the market takes off, we're not going to keep up. Right. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. On, in a roaring bull market, we, you know, we're not, we're not going to keep up, but you'll have other asset classes and other holdings, 
your clients will, and, and those will, you know, those will go up and, and do quite well. All right. Well, Fritz, we appreciate your time and uh, cheers to 2023. It's a little early, yeah. but um, maybe, maybe we can see you before New Year's Eve or something. You guys are really nice to include me on these podcasts. I think it's a brilliant thing to do. And, and I think that it's really helpful to clients. We do a video on a pretty regular basis and the response was just overwhelming and we didn't expect that at all. You know, we, we did it because we thought it made sense. And so I think doing these podcasts is really helpful to clients. It really, to, to feel like you have a better understanding of what's going on, that can really bring peace of mind. So kudos to you folks for doing it. And we appreciate all that you do to keep us informed as well. Yeah, amen, amen to that. Yep. We need good voices out there, you know, voices that are going to help people. That's why, that's why, that's the only reason I'm doing this. Is mine not enough? (laughs) It's pretty, it's pretty potent voice. Yes. Your voice (laughs) is very powerful. (laughs) Powerful. There, there. Thanks for this. Let's use our words properly. That was obvious from the moment I met you. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you. In the very nicest, best way. Well, so we'll we'll end with that. Count you were, I just interrupted you. Just keep your seatbelt fastened. The roller coaster ride is still going. The bull is now asleep. The bear has awakened. So <laughs> be safe out there, everyone. The material is provided for general information and educational purposes and is based on information provided to us by sources deemed to be reliable. Past performance is no guarantee of future results and asset values will fluctuate with changing market conditions. All investments are uninsured and can lose value. All expressions of opinions are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. Data contained herein from third-party providers is obtained from what are considered reliable sources. However, its accuracy, completeness, or reliability cannot be guaranteed. Examples provided are for illustrative purposes only and not intended to be reflective of results you can expect to achieve. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and the opinion presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance. This information does not constitute investment advice and is not offered to buy or sell securities. This information is provided for informational purposes only. Information herein is not warranted to be correct, complete, or accurate. Proactive wealth management is and its representative do not provide tax or legal advice. Each taxpayer should seek independent advice from a tax professional based on his or her individual circumstances. Cody Lewis is a registered representative of Proactive Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Proactive Wealth Management is not affiliated with any other name entity. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempt from registration requirements. That's it for this week's episode of Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody Kathy. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. This is Cody and Kathy wishing you a love-filled life full of prosperity. Have a good week. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs>